Welcome into NSN Daily. He's Chris Murray. I'm Brian Samudio. Anthony Resnick directing us behind the scenes, keeping us between the lines. Plenty to talk about today. We're going to catch up with uh, Sidaria McAllister, uh, Wolfpack softball star, as they head into a, a weekend series uh, coming up. Um, Nevada baseball uh, runs into COVID again, but uh, this time around, it wasn't on their part. It was somebody else. We'll uh, talk about what happened. What happened? Uh, there and uh, and get a little mailbag extra uh, for you today talking about transfers in the Mountain West Conference and uh, how they're are there more this year are there less are we just noticing them since it's a pandemic and uh, whatever uh, let's start off with that with that uh, COVID news Chris uh, Nevada found out late yesterday that uh, their series against New Mexico uh, will be uh, canceled not to be rescheduled which is a big deal uh, due to COVID-19 uh, protocols going on down in Albuquerque. Not ideal for Nevada, but there's nothing they can do about it. If there's another team that runs into COVID and the games are canceled, the games are canceled and you got to move on. I mean, Nevada would have loved to have played that series. They lose a home Mountain West series. Uh, they had lost two out of three in Albuquerque earlier this year, so they probably would have wanted to get those games back and try and move up the standings against one of the lesser teams in the conference this year. But, uh, you know, they have to move on, and uh, they play Texas today. They play Texas tomorrow, and then they've got a series at uh, Air Force uh, a couple weekends from now. But, yeah, you want to be able to keep that momentum. You want to be able to make up ground in the standings. If you were in first place in the Mountain West and you lose some games, probably not that big of a deal because you stay in first place. But right. when you're trying to claw back up to the top from the middle of the pack, uh, you need games to do that. So not a great result for the Wolf Pack, but at least the, the COVID positive wasn't on them. They don't have to pause or anything like that. It's just an issue with New Mexico. And, uh, you know, Nevada is going to move forward with its season, hoping not to have any positive tests in the future. As you said, a pair of games against the Longhorns who are ranked as high as number three in the country. If you're TJ Bruce, you've wanted to challenge your team and you have challenged your team all season long. This is a team that's not going to be afraid of anybody. They're not going to walk into Austin and be awestruck by, oh my gosh, gosh we have to play the play the uh, the burnt orange or anything like that. Does it change your lineup at all? Do, do you think TJ maybe on the plane or once he heard that said, mm, maybe I'm going to change a little bit or no? No, because I mean, Nevada just burned up its, uh, you know, top level pitchers in its last series. So it's not like they can go from San Diego State guys who pitched on Saturday and Sunday and turn them around and pitch them Tuesday and, and Wednesday. I mean, that can't happen. Now, if the series was a little bit later and Nevada wasn't going to play a Mountain West series, it could go in and, you know, pitch its better pitchers. Uh, but typically those guys are safe for the weekend. They're safe for the conference series. So I don't think there's going to be much tinkering that goes on. Uh, you know, it'll be nice for those guys to get a little bit of a rest. They're basically going to have nine days off between the end of the Texas series in the beginning of the Air Force series, unless Nevada goes out there and tries to schedule somebody. Maybe they find somebody in non-conference. But tactically, I don't think there are any big changes against uh, Texas just because of the New Mexico series being canceled. You would lead me right into my next question, Christopher. Thank you so much. Uh, I don't know Sac State. I don't know Chico State. That's uh, UC Davis. I'm just thinking regionally, Cal, Stanford. I don't know what their weekends look like, but uh, in the the era of COVID, I mean, that's really what it is, is get on the horn and go, hey, uh, we've got an open weekend. You guys want to hang around and play some baseball? That, that, that That's a possibility, right? Yeah, we've seen a lot of Wolfpack teams do that this season. Nevada basketball against uh, William Jessup when they had a game against USF canceled. So wouldn't be surprised if they're able to wrangle a game. Obviously, almost all schedules are set and usually teams are playing over the weekend. But uh, just to get out there and, and play some games and try and improve your NCAA tournament profile, I don't think Nevada's really in the mix for an at-large bid. But, uh, you know, you want to go out there and play games. It's already a bit of a shortened season, not like some of these other sports, but they're not playing the full slate they usually do for baseball. So losing three games, they might try and sneak in a couple 
there. Uh, Nevada did lose a series against San Jose State earlier this year, and they added a game with UCLA. So they've already made some schedule changes. And I'm sure, TJ, if you could get somebody to come play at Pacoli Park, he would absolutely love it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the bottom line here is getting games for these student athletes, no matter what the sport is, is get them a chance to get out and compete. That's what they have worked for so hard for so long. I'm talking about a guy who's been working hard. How about Dario Gomez, who uh, I saw a tweet from you yesterday talking about how he, he has a chance to be maybe the best Dario that has ever played at Nevada. Uh, the only one that comes to my mind is Dario Hunt, who, of course, the incredible power forward who played at Nevada, great shot blocker and just a really all-around good dude. But Dario Gomez batted over 500 last weekend against San Diego State. He is the Mountain West Conference Player of the Week. Very well deserving. He could have been the Mountain West uh, Conference Player of the Week for the Fresno State Series a couple of weeks ago. He played that well. But yeah, I mean, this guy's sitting 406 and from a junior college prospect, you don't know what you're going to get. I mean, that's a big jump up from JC ball all the way to the D one level, but Dario wasn't highly recruited coming out of high school. He spent time between Las Vegas and the Bay area because he had a split family. So, um, you know, he's a, a baseball gym rat. I mean, I love these stories because nobody would have pointed to Dario Gomez before the start of the season and say, this is going to be Nevada's best player. I mean, Nevada had a couple of preseason all mountain West players who you would have singled out as the best player on the team. But this kid comes here his first year in the program and he's been absolutely phenomenal. I mean, when you put up a, OPS of 1100. He does a lot of great things on the bases. He's very fast as well. He has eight steals. He scored on a bloop single from first base all the way over to uh, to home uh, against San Diego State. And yeah, just watching that replay, I mean, he he was going all out and, you know, head first slide to just beat the tag. And he's the exact kind of player that you want in your program, who's just going to get the most out of his talent. And he's playing so well, uh, you know, maybe he raises his stock where he doesn't have a second season at Nevada. You look at a guy like Miles Mastroboni a couple of years ago, he was a junior college guy who had one great year and then was drafted and is still in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. So yeah, Dario has been phenomenal. Uh, I know TJ Bruce is a big fan of what he's been able to do this season. And uh, he has really helped elevate this offense and keep Nevada competitive. And a lot of these games, he's come up with a lot of clutch hits. Uh, he doesn't strike out a ton. He gives you really good at bats. So um, by far the best player on Nevada. And I think he's in the running for Mountain West player of the year as well. Now it depends on whether Nevada is able to finish high in the standings because that's always an impact. But I, I don't think there's been a better player in the Mountain West this season than Dario Gomez. Dario Gomez in Nevada with a chance to uh, take on one of the top five teams in the nation over the next couple of days. The Texas Longhorns down there in Austin. Coming up next year on NSN Daily, he was a four-year starter at defensive back for the Arizona State Sun Devils. Now, loaning his uh, his knowledge and uh, what he knows about covering a wide receiver to the secondary of the University of Nevada. We'll introduce you to assistant coach uh, Ricardo Stewart coming up after the break. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Alex Margulies and Chris Murray joined now by Ricardo Stewart from the Nevada football team. Uh, coach, you're finishing up your first week of practice. We're airing this on Monday. We're talking to you on a Friday, though, and you guys are finally able to get on the fields. Uh, how much fun has it been just getting out there with the boys and, and getting back to work? Absolute blast. Absolute blast. I mean, there's nothing. I mean, you get into this profession primarily to, to be able to coach and be around the players. And so when you get an opportunity to get on the field and and strap it up and then and and especially for our guys at the back end with the corners, the nickels and the safeties to be able to to attack. I and mean, we get the opportunity to go against some of the best in our receivers. So um, yeah. it's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun. And then the, the, the way we're structuring the practices with the double practices has been great because everybody gets reps. And so you get a clear uh, opportunity to evaluate all of your players. 
You've been elevated to a full-time assistant coach at the FBS level for the first time in your career. You've had quite the career to get to this point. Uh, you were a star at Arizona State as a player, and then you did some high school football. You did some personal training, some youth club football. You've been a pastor. Um, <laughs> you did get to this point where you are a full-time assistant at the highest level of college football. Yeah, first of all, uh, it's yeah, it's been a it's been a journey, but. Uh, it, you know, I, I'm, I'm the type of person that you take with whatever is in front of you, you know, let be where your feet are and what's the best opportunities that are in front of you. So for me, it was, I played at Arizona State, as you said, and so I had an opportunity to play there and a great time, loved it. Um, and when I was done, really wanted to coach college football and my particular position coach uh, was the D coordinator at Michigan at the time. He had left to be there and offered me a grad assistant, but the thought of not being around my family, which was kind of weird at the time because I didn't even have a girlfriend, let alone a family, but um, didn't want to get in the coaching college and then wanted to do high school and, and um, did a lot of inner, inner city work in Phoenix uh, in terms of sports and outreach and loved it, um, which led me into a different path into the ministry world and kept my hand in football and became the character coach for about four or five years there at Arizona State with, um, with that staff there. And, and, um, and I always told my wife that ever she decided that she would be cool with me coaching. And I just thought, I just let it go. And then I was actually up here in Tahoe, ironically, doing, doing a wedding um, of, a, of a former ASU player. And when I was there, there were about two other coaches from ASU that are coaching at different schools now. And one of the guys just goes, when are you going to coach college football? And I said, you know what? I kind of put that away. I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen. And, you know, it did. You know, about six months later, my wife was like, hey, if you still want to do it, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to get in it. And it's just been blessing after blessing and opportunity. And so, yeah, it's it's, it's unique, that's for sure, but it's where I'm at today, and I'm enjoying it. All right, so you're in charge of Nevada Secondary, which figures to have a lot of competition. How exciting has it been already to kind of get some, some new blood in there and to see how it's all kind of shaken out in the early stages of this? I love it. I love it. I mean, these guys, because they know it's competition and because that's what we're communicating, and not in a, in a fear way, but in a way of, like, this is how you love people. You compete. If, you, if you're good, it makes me better. If I'm good, it makes you better. And that goes not just in our room, but even when we go up against the wide outs and the tight ends. So the competition's there at every position, whether it's corner, safety, or even nickel. And so these guys are competing their butts off and they're doing it in a way that's not disrespectful towards one another, that they understand how to be a great teammate. Um, and so no one's, you know, I'm not going to tell them what he's supposed to do on this particular play because it'll make them look bad. That's just not how we do it. And so these guys are really, encouraged into one another and the level of play and you know it's only been two days of practice though has been has been uh, um, impressive. I know the X's and O's technical stuff is very important when you're coaching but how much of it comes down to also just making that connection with the players and knowing them knowing that you're on their side and you're going to help them as a person I mean it seems like you have that background already and that probably quite a bit when you do coach these guys so when you're on the field you know maybe they have a little bit more trust in you. If it, I mean, in really short, I mean, for me, it's a simple philosophy that I have, and it's truth, touch, time, intention. It's four T's. Truth, you got to be honest with them, honest about their, their play, honest with them about their attitude, their body language, honest with them about your own story and who you are and your failures and success. Um, I think you got truth and then touch. Everybody talks about relationship. You got to still time. Like, we don't get a whole time, a lot of time with these players, especially with COVID and, and, and pandemic. So if I can walk from the field to the locker room, if I can go from the film room um, back to the locker room, if I can just pick up a phone call and just call a kid and go, hey, I see you out there working. Hey, what else is going on right now? That touch is huge. And then if you get truth touch and then time over a period of time, 
there's one expectation you're gonna have and that's tension. And what we teach is tension's not a bad thing. It's a very good thing, right? It, it creates bridges from point A to point B. And so I think that part is huge because you want them to know the X's and O's, but you and I know, all of us know, you wanna, you play for your coaches. You play for, you know, you work harder in the classroom for your teachers. There's certain things you wanna do for your parents, whoever that adult figure is, if you know that they are on your side and are 100 with you, you're gonna get the most out of them. And so um, I have a lot of fun with them. And, um, and we, there's moments where it's just all fun and laughter. I mean, we went to uh, Coconut Bowl, all, I mean, all the DBs and we had a blast and that was just laser tag and go-karts. And there's moments where we gotta sit down and, and we gotta give the hard truth as well. And I think when there's a balance of that, um, you really get to build the relationships and develop the person as well as a player, which, I mean, that's, that's the goal. All right. Who had the high score in laser tag? Who, who, who came out on top? <laughs> so we did, we separated it. We, we had the corners and the safeties and then the nickel split teams, <laughs> the safeties. And, um, and we lost, we lost bad actually. Uh, and so it wasn't, it wasn't even close. And then the go-karts, we didn't, you know, it didn't have enough juice, you know, I, <laughs> there's some other places we might have to go to next time <laughs> yeah there's the need the need for speed down in south reno those things fly man you guys will have to check those out those are fun. yeah we're gonna we're gonna have to check those out you know so yeah it was a lot of fun that's so funny that you mentioned the go-karts because we go to coconut bowl quite a bit and you cannot pass people in the go-karts on that thing it, oh you cannot it's it's still fine but yeah there's not a lot of competition involved so that that kind of bit to be desired the time, guys were just bumping in each other and they had to stop everybody and <laughs> of and so yeah speaking we of flooded, we flooded the 13 year olds they were like what what are you guys doing here? <laughs> speaking of competition though i mean you mentioned the wide receivers you guys have to go up against the uh, romeo dubs and elijah cooks and cole turner at tight end Justin Lockhart, Torrey Horton. I mean, how much better does that get your guys knowing that you're going against guys who are going to be probably playing in the NFL next year? Uh, and if they wanted to be good in practice, like they're facing some really talented guys. I think they are. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to go against all the guys you mentioned and even some of the guys that that you didn't mention. I mean, when it when we go against guys who are tough, fast and great route runners every single day. We, we don't even know to the level of competition that we're going against. I mean, I try to explain it to them. I got a chance when I was playing in the Pac-10, we went against incredible receivers, a lot of first-round guys, and we had a couple at Arizona State. I didn't realize how good certain guys were until you got into the game. And so when our guys go against most of the guys in our conference or even some of our non-conference, they're not going to be, I haven't seen speed like that. I haven't seen size like that. I haven't seen route running like that. No, you've seen it every single day. Now, the thing we're trying to go is, yes, He's number seven. He's Romeo. But I'm trying to kick his butt today, right? Instead of going, oh, I'm going to play different. No, that's Tori. Perfect. I get an opportunity to show how good I am against one of the best. And that's a mentality thing. So it's a privilege to get the opportunity, but also it's a it's an ego thing too. Like you got to, you know, we got we to gotta go. We got to compete. Ricardo, tell us about some of the new guys that you've been able to add into the room. There's a couple of transfers. Uh, Bentley Sanders came in from South Florida. Isaiah Essesima, I hope I'm saying his name right, came in from Wake Forest. Miles Hayes coming in from William & Mary. Did I say it wrong? No, no. Yeah, you did. But, uh, you know, I right. did good. All right. All right. <laughs> hey, you, I, did, you did all right. I got a tough last name, too, so I respect it. But, you know, you, you've got a bunch of guys coming in. I mean, tell us about some of the new players that you've been able to add in. That's good. I'm going to start with Miles. And so Miles is a very long, rangy, free safety that we got that we got out of Woman Mary. And um, I mean, he's picking it up just fine. And, you know, 
he adds a lot of length. I mean, he's about 6'3", maybe, maybe even 6'4". So he's a longer body. And then down to Bentley. Bentley is uh, from South Florida, and Bentley can play any position in the secondary. I mean, he's a dog. I'm not even, but he's a dog. He's right now playing nickel for us, and he's already had two or three interceptions. Um, he's he's going to be a playmaker for us. He can also return punts. And um, what he does well is he's very bright, and he's one of those guys. I don't know if you watched that interview not too long ago with Nick Saban's like, when some of your best players are your hardest workers, he's a very talented uh, kid, and yet he's got a plan. I mean, he's not here to mess around. A lot of fun, but I mean, when it comes down to film study, when it comes down to taking what's talked about in the film room onto the field, he transitions really, really well. And so I got, um, he, he's having a good spring so far. And then Isaiah Asissima. Asissima, all right, here we go. Asissima is, uh, he's, it's, you can tell why he was playing and recruited to a power five school. I mean, he transferred from Wake Forest. He has all the ability and above. And there's not um, a player in which we have on this team that can run by him. Um, and so he's got good feet, he's incredibly strong, and he's a gifted, gifted DB. And so we got him playing corner right now, and he's gonna be able to help us a lot. All three of those guys make us better. Um, they make us better. And then the part that, that matters, fit matters, right? You can get good talent, but if they don't fit, it can disrupt your unity. Um, and they fit well. They fit really well for such a short period of time. It's it's been good. And our guys have accepted those guys in as as, a, as opposed to being like, wait, did they bring these guys in to compete against me? Yes. Um, but they're also going to be your teammates and your friends as well. So it looks like most of your life was spent in Arizona. I'm curious how you and the family have adjusted to about a year and a half in northern Nevada. How have you, uh, in, uh, pandemic, a little bit different. You maybe haven't been able to explore everything, but how's uh, life been going in northern Nevada since you guys moved here? And I appreciate you asking that. Um, <clears throat> so I grew up in Southern California. My wife actually grew up in Folsom. And so, um, so we're closer to family than we've ever been. Um, so that, that's been really good. But we have tried. We've been married for, I think it'd be 14 years this summer. We have been trying to leave Arizona and get back to California. And for whatever reason, it just never worked that way. And so moving to Reno, I literally told my kids, you are going to hate Reno but it's going to be all right. Cause I had no idea. We would fly here every year because her parents have a house in Donner and we'd go straight to Donner. I'd never been to Reno. And so when me and my young oldest son were here for those first two months before we got the rest of the family, we were going to the airport to go get him. And he, um, and he says, you know what, dad, I love Reno. I'm like, it's been a pleasant surprise. And so that's why I tell people all the time, Northern Nevada has been great for us as a family. I mean, even during the pandemic, my kids have been able able to be a part of incredible like club uh, you know, soccer and baseball and, and great friends. And I always say people in Reno are like Midwest nice. You know, when you're coming from a city like Phoenix or even LA, it, it could just be the hustle bustle, but like Reno, the people are genuine and nice. And the weather has been, has been, I, I like the weather. I do, I, I do not want to deal with 115 degree summers. And so everybody here says it's dry. Phoenix dry heat is, not, <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> it's amazing yeah it's, that's that's great i'd love to hear your perspective on that because you know i tell people that i think people get to reno and, and even when they first get here they're kind of like okay this is interesting something happens when you've lived here for about a year when you've been yeah. here about a year a little bit longer and you've gone through a full cycle of it and you really start to understand and appreciate the place you know it just gives you a totally different perspective and, you know i i love it here i know chris loves it here so it's, it's great to hear that you know, your family's yeah. enjoying it so much. We, we love it. It's a beautiful place and it's fun and it's, it's eclectic. It's, it's a, I think it's far different than what people who've never yep. been here realize. 
no question. Ricardo, man, we really appreciate you joining the show and uh, look forward to catching up with you again soon. All right, I appreciate you guys. All right, we'll have more of NSN Daily coming up just after this break. What's well, kind of the nature of the beast? Transfers, transfers, transfers. We see them coming in. We see them going out uh, pretty much uh, all year round now, Chris. It's become basically NCAA free agency. And I think you and I could probably do about a five-hour show on, on that subject. But uh, Amanda Levin seeing a bit of a sister act coming in. Uh, a transfer who's a grad transfer from Portland State. Alyssa Jimenez uh, coming in to join her sister at Nevada. What do you think she brings? Yeah, Alyssa's already at Nevada, and Kylie's transferring in from Portland State. She's a four-year player for the Vikings, so she has a ton of experience. Started every single game of her career there, a five-foot-six guard, point guard. Um, she's a really, really good defensive player as well. Uh, she's a two-time All-Big Sky third-team honoree the last two years, and then she was the Big Sky freshman of the year, her first year in the program. So uh, this is a very important and valuable piece to Amanda Levin's team. I mean, you look at her career. She's one of only three players in Portland State history with 1,000 points. 500 assists and 250 steals. So she's going to get into you defensively. Uh, Ali is the exact same way. So, I mean, I think it's a perfect pairing there. They're probably going to be competing, competing for minutes a little bit here. Um, she didn't come off the best scoring season of her career. She shot only 29.8% from the field last season, 23.8% from three, but she was a much more efficient scorer in her first three years uh, at Portland State. So I think she's going to step right into the starting lineup. I mean, you put her into the point guard position, you got Deja Hamilton at the shooting guard position, and you really improved your backward. And I think it's going to get to what Amanda really wants from her program, which is making things difficult with their defense. You know, that was a really good defense team last year. They're going to be even better with Kylie Jimenez. I mean, she is, uh, you know, just an absolutely great defensive player. And and, uh, you know, she's going to give an edge and kind of, uh, you know, some toughness uh, to Nevada's D next season. Yeah, I misspoke. I had the sisters backwards. Alyssa always is already here as a sophomore and Kylie, the uh, uh, transfer in. Uh, it's not the most important thing. I do want to be accurate. Uh, have we confirmed that they they pronounce it like Chris Jimenez or the traditional Jimenez? I want to be right. <laughs> I mean, you're the traditional broadcaster, so you you do. I, I get the spelling right, you get the pronunciation right. So that, that's, uh, that's not necessarily my forte, but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure Allie's going to be looking to it as well. She only played three games last year before suffering a season-ending injury, so I'm sure it was a difficult year, and having her sister come into the program, I think, will be a big, big blessing for her. Uh, they actually played against each other two years ago when Nevada played against Portland State, so um, I, I can't recall the last time there were sisters on the Nevada basketball team. Uh, obviously, we have the Martin twins on the men's side, um, but sisters on, on Nevada, that, that I'm going to have to go dig through the record books to find that, but, uh, you know, it's more than just adding a sister. Like I said, I mean, this is someone who's going to step in and play 30 minutes per game. I mean, she's yeah. going Going to be, uh, you know, the lead point guard. She has a great assist to turnover rate. I mean, you see uh, a lot of times point guards in the women's game, you know, you have a one to one assist to turnover rate, and that's kind of a good thing. Like, you know, Kylie's like two to one. Like, this, this is a really good player. Now, maybe, you know, scoring wise, the efficiency is a bit of a concern, but, um, you know, Nevada's going to lose some players to the portal, just like every other program. They've lost two players this year, but you have to make advantages out of it. Like, if you just say, woe is I, because I'm losing players to the portal, it's not going to change the fact that players want to leave. You have to go in there and dig out some good players. And Coach Levins has been able to do that the last couple of years. Um, you know, so th this is a big, big plus. I think this is an addition um, that's very, very good. And I would not be surprised if Kylie is an All-Mountain West player at the end of the season. Well, the, the other things, I mean, there's so many intangibles with her. One, she's going to play with her sister. She's a grad transfer. She's She's been through the wars. She's going to go down as one of the player, best players to ever play at Portland State. And somebody may go, oh, well, a level of programming. 
five. I don't care. I mean, she's one of the best ever. She's one of the best ever it's ever played there. And you're bringing somebody in that has experience, that is battle tested, and going to run the most important position that's on your court. So I, I think it's I think it's a great addition, and I'm looking forward to seeing seeing uh, seeing her play with her sister and doing it in person. I want to be able to get back to to Lawler events. Uh, Essence Booker, a name that uh, Wolfpack fans will be familiar with who was an outstanding scorer coming out of Southern Nevada, uh, came to Nevada, transferred, and now has transferred again. Um, and she's ended up at her hometown school of UNLV. So we mm. wish the best, of course, to her. But Essence Booker going to play for the Rebels. Yeah, that'll be interesting when those two teams play each other. As you mentioned, Essence played for Nevada for two years, was the leading scorer two years ago, and then transferred, went to Ball State last year, had to deal with some injuries, and now moving closer to home at UNLV. We'll see if she's eligible this season. Uh, you know, typically she wouldn't be, but I think the one-time transfer rule is going to pass between now and the start of next year. Now, this is not Essence's first transfer, so she wouldn't be applied to that one-time transfer rule. So it might be a more than a year before she gets to play against Nevada, but that will definitely add some spice to the rivalry. Uh, you know, uh, Essence really did enjoy her time here. I have talked to her a couple of times over the years and, um, you know, she just had some issues with the coaching staff, like a lot of players did. And I think, uh, you know, when you have that, you want to be in a position where you feel like you can be comfortable and that you're going to be coached the way you want to be coached. And she didn't have that at Nevada. Maybe she didn't have that at Ball State. So you see another transfer and then you start to think, OK, is this about the player or what's the deal? Hopefully for her, she's able to find a nice fit there in Vegas. She was a star at Spring Valley High. She was an absolutely phenomenal player down in Southern Nevada before coming up here. And I think you look at, uh, you know, an addition like Kylie, who we spoke about earlier, and I think she just has the DNA that Coach Levin's won and that works with coach Levin's DNA like she's a very tough coach like she's going to demand a lot out of you on the court off the court um, she's going to push you she's going to push your buttons sometimes and I think uh, you know she probably misread some of her recruits early on and I think Essence was probably one of them just in terms of how she wanted to be coached and what she needed and now I think she's getting in recruits into her program that fit a little bit better with her personality she's made some changes as well uh, coach Levin's had to try and make uh, the players feel uh, like their voices are being heard so I think it's best for both cases, but definitely the next time Essence plays against Nevada, I mean, that's going to be really spicy. I know she's going to want to play well, and I'm sure Coach Levins and the remainder of the staff that did coach Essence will want to get one over on UNLV. Not, not any more than usual, though, because of how he did that rivalry. Is. Oh, come on. The first time she touches the ball, you know it's going up. I mean, <laughs> come on. This girl's going to want to put the ball in a basket against Nevada. It will be spirit. I think it's going to be neat. I had a chance to speak with Essence a couple of times and we've had her on the show and, and we wish her the best. I, I Maybe some home cooking is, is what she needs. Get back to where her family is, get back to a town that she's familiar with, get over the injuries. And, uh, and mo most importantly, at the end of the day is get your degree and graduate and, uh, and, and be able to continue on, continue on that way. But uh, that, that'll definitely be a lot of fun. Uh, Kirsten Moran has definitely, she's also reached out to Essence and Essence is, told her kindly that she will come on our show. So there is, doesn't sound like there's a lot of sour grapes there. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to have Essence Booker on this show and kind of uh, talk about her journey uh, through college basketball. Coming up next here on NSN Daily, speaking of, of Kirsten Moran, we're going to talk with uh, Sedaria McAllister, Wolfpack softball player about playing through COVID and how things are going over at Hickson Softball Complex. That's next. Welcome back into NSN Daily. I am now joined with Nevada softball, Sedaria McAllister. Sedaria, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today. Well, thank you for having me. Of course. Now let's get straight to it. Um, coming off the series against Utah, you had just a powerful series. You went, you know, with two for four and two, and two of those were RBIs. And 
you had a walk-off home run. So just talk about what it's been like this season for you. Yeah, it's been a really good season for us. And for myself too, I think we've all like came together as a group and like, we're really like, I think we're just really good together this year and we all get along and the culture is pretty good. And yeah. Since your freshman season now, this being your last senior season or your super senior season, as you were saying, what has been just, what what growth have you seen within yourself as a softball player and and outside of the field? Um, I think I've seen a lot of growth in myself as a softball player, like just being able to see like, maybe just as simple as reading the balls off the bat to just um, mentality and like having confidence. And as a team, we've grown a lot since my freshman year as well. And outside of the softball field, I'm definitely going to be able to take a lot from what I've learned from softball to like real life. What, what is next for you? What are you looking to do after you graduate college? Um, I plan on just <laughs> doing what everybody else does. I graduated in the spring with criminal justice and a minor in human development. And now I'm in grad school for justice management. What are you, what are you hoping to achieve um, once you finish with your master's? So after master's, I would like to work juvenile justice. I'm not so much into adult justice. Juvenile justice is what interests me most. And I want to like be able to give back to my community and help those who need it. Are you looking to stay here in Reno or do you hope to, to go and move away from home? I hope to branch out. <laughs> I definitely hope to branch out. We talked a little bit before the interview, um, just being just being raised by your mom. So um, yeah. shout out to all the moms out there who have just did it on their own. How is that like for you growing up? Um, just, just being able to watch her, having her daughter now go to a D1 school is is huge. So what is was yeah. it like being raised? Um, just by um, some parent. Yeah, it just, I, I feel like any other kid who was raised by people who are by their parents who had two parents in their lives. And um, she's done a lot for me and she's gotten me to this point. So she's obviously doing a great job. Yeah. What would your mom say um, just about you and how far you've come? Um, I think she's very proud of me and where I've from, from before till now. And I think she's seen that I've grown into a young woman. <laughs> Did you always know that you wanted to play softball? Yes. Yeah, so I actually didn't start softball. I started softball when I was like eight. And then we forgot for, to, for signups like the following year. So I actually ended up playing soccer. And then that just, I didn't follow through with that. I just wanted to play softball. So I played softball. And then from nine, nine, ten, I always played softball. I started off in rec ball and then... I went and like I played all stars for the rec ball and then I eventually um, started a travel ball and that's when I played on the Reno Diamonds and then I finished off my travel ball career you could say with the Reno Heat and then in high school I played so uh, softball basketball and tennis and so that was really fun I always loved basketball but softball I think was more yeah, but if I if I would have chose something else, it definitely would have been basketball. Playing basketball and playing softball and playing tennis. That is yes. a hard sport as well. Yeah, tennis, I never thought I would play, but it was my Spanish teacher, uh, Miss Harris. And she was like, you should come try out for tennis. You'll have so much fun. And so I was like, Miss um, Harris, I've never played tennis in my life. 
I don't think you're like, and then my backhand, that's like a lefty swing. So I literally sky it so far because just like the swing, like the motion. And um, I went to open courts and like, I try, like I actually wanted, I was like, okay, I'm going to play. I can do it. And I actually made the team my junior and senior year. So I was like, if yeah. I don't play, that's fine. And I actually like played and everything. I was pretty surprised. It was really fun. It was easy to pick up on. So talk about just some of your goals that you're hoping to achieve um, by the end of the season. Uh, well, individually, I wanted like, I already met one of my goals, which was break the school record for stolen bases. And then I'm still trying to get like the individual like career goal, like or, like the season goal, but a little a little shy for that so I might not meet that one and then um just to continue to get on base and provide for my team by just getting on base you know running fast <laughs> um and as a team we we for sure want to have a Mountain West championship at the end so what would you say that um just Wolfpack fans would be surprised to learn about you behind the behind the jersey when you're not on the diamond? So maybe I am a little weird. Like I hate when people wear their socks like the right foot on the left foot and like vice versa. Like it has to be the left foot on the left foot, right foot on the right foot. That's something that I don't like. <laughs> I really hate that. <laughs> like and if it says the left foot on there, why is it on your right foot? It has to be on the left foot. <laughs> Jeez, that is something that does that does bother me. So it's like a pet peeve. It is a pet peeve. Like I guess I have a little like I have little pet peeves, but okay, what are they? I know you can more in there. Um, well, I wash my hands like a lot, like probably too much. No, that that's good. That's not um, I think probably the sock thing at the that I can think of at the moment, my teammates can probably think of a bunch. My mom probably can think of a bunch because it's just the little things and they're like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, I don't know. Weird. <laughs> so you like hate when socks are like mismatched. Yeah. Oh, I hate mismatched socks. They have to be matching. Like I promise that I don't have mixed. <laughs> <laughs> like all my socks are matching. I, I don't think you'll ever see me with mismatched socks on. They have to be matching. <laughs> what what do you love to do when you're not playing softball? Um, I love to spend time with my family and I like depends on the season you know I love going swimming that's fun um more so I'm very family oriented so I'm a stay-at-home body family's here my cousins live right up the street same apartment next to me (laughs) so yeah I really I just love spending time with my family so you say you like spending time with your family what do you what do you guys do when you're when you're hanging out we cooking or we like to do like family dinners and then we'll play like Uno or like any card game, um, any family game. We eat, we like to, sometimes we like to go out and just enjoy the sun. I motivate them like, let's go on a walk. It's so nice today. So <laughs> go on walks, but yeah. Is, uh, is, is your mom the cook in the family? Um, so we like to flip flop between houses, you know, since my cousin lives up the street. <laughs> So like we'll go to their their house or we'll come here. So it's like my mom will cook or my cousin will cook. So flip flop. So it's not like just one cooking. What uh? What's your favorite meal that mom makes? Ooh, there's so many. I love all of them. <laughs> They're all so good. Hmm. I definitely love. You can't go wrong with spaghetti. Her spaghetti is super good. 
Um, she makes really good color greens. Really good color greens. Love them. Get this mm -hmm. little mac and cheese on the side. Oh, homemade mac and cheese. Yes, mix. Just add some. It was so good. Before I let you go, just a few more things. Um, your sister played basketball and uh, now she's overseas and she served in the military, correct? As well? Yeah, she served in the military too, yeah. And now she's with her husband serving. So what's it like being away from her and just uh, and not um, to see her, you know, because of COVID and... Yeah, it's actually kind of sad because like we were split, we had like trips planned to go and see them and those got interrupted by COVID and it's we get to FaceTime and talk and text all the time so that's always nice but it would be nice to see her and give her a big old hug this has been so great um getting to getting to know you and getting to tell your story um thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today thank you for having me of course so we'll be right back That's one of our favorites. Murray's Mailbag is uh, released every single Sunday. Uh, you'll dive into uh, Chris's Twitter account at by Chris Murray. He opens up the mailbag every Sunday and very kindly answers uh, answers questions. Chris, I always ask you how many words uh, do you recall how many this time around? Yeah, it was 3,500, but I wrote 10 stories yesterday. So I definitely had a headache by the end of the day. I think you're, I think you're good, man. I think you're good. Yeah, I think it's the most stories I've ever written uh, during my NSN tenure so yeah there was a lot going on yesterday and we we banged out 3,500 words on the mailbag I really wish somebody would dive into the mailbag and say Chris when are you going to take a day off I, I know Chris has got a vacation plan but Chris works harder than anybody on our team uh let's get into a little mailbag extra here I want to get a little bit more into uh Pintar I have not seen Pintar in the mailbag uh it seems like a lot more talent is leaving the Mountain West through the transfer portal then coming in can we count on it evening out after all scholarships are filled uh just your thoughts on that chris is there more transfers going out or are we just seeing it and noticing it there's definitely more going out and i think it's because of the coaching changes at unlv and utah state those both have led to an exodus at both of those programs losing some very very quality players between those two schools they've lost 16 scholarship players to the portal like that's a lot of talent uh you look at all of the mountain west the mountain west has had 15 players who averaged at least five points per game last season leave the conference via transfer. How many players have they added via transfer who averaged at least five points per game last season? When I wrote this article yesterday, the answer was zero. So that is quite a bit of exodus out in rotation players and even star level players. Now, since I wrote this article, there have been two additions who are really, really quality players last night. Matt Bradley from Cal transferring to San Diego State. He averaged 18 points per game last year. He could be the Mountain West Player of the Year this upcoming season. And then Fresno State got uh, Jamaral Baker Jr., who originally started at Kentucky, then went to Arizona, averaged double digits last year as well. So maybe it's starting to even out a little bit. And I do think you're going to see some really talented players come into the Mountain West. You obviously have Addison Patterson and Will Baker. Yeah. So there's been a number of Power 5 transfers who have come into the conference, just not a lot of them are proven players. You know, the hope is that they just kind of got buried on the depth chart, but it does feel like there is a lot more talent leaving the conference and entering the conference. And it's usually the reverse. I mean, you look at the Mountain West history, some of the best players in the program uh, in the conference and some of the best teams were built with transfers. Uh, you know, Eric Musselman's teams, obviously, but even well before that, San Diego State has hit transfers heavily of late. Steve Alford's still going after transfers. UNLV has added four power five transfers this year. So I don't think that, it, you know, they're not bringing players in, but they definitely are losing a lot of talent. And I think it's because of those coaching changes at UNLV and Utah State more than anything else. Well, I mean, I think it also, this is the landscape of college athletics is that, 
somebody doesn't find a place that where they feel like they're going to fit in and they'll move on. Or maybe somebody realizes I've gotten myself to a certain athletic level and I think I can perform at a power five school. I mean, even Nevada, who has some great stability in coaching, you basically have two head coaches sitting on the bench at Nevada and they lose three players, including, you know, a guy who, a guy in Kane Milling or in uh, Zane Meeks that I really thought could have been, when I saw the start of his career, I thought he could have been an all-conference Mountain West player. Not saying he couldn't do something great somewhere else, but even when there's stability, this is the landscape that we're looking at. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, the quality of player that you're losing is, I think, a bit of a concern when you look at the Mountain West. You know, they lost Bryce Hamilton, who was an all-Mountain West player. Right. David Jenkins Jr., who was an honorable mention all-Mountain West Chica and Baca Diong, who's a very, very good player. You mentioned Zane Meeks, RJ Dennis at Boise State, very good player. Seneca Knight at San Jose State was an all-conference honorable mention. Rolly Worcester was the second best freshman in the league this last year. Marco Anthony is a very strong lead guard. Kwame Marble, uh, number two at Wyoming. So there are some really good players that are leaving the conference that I think is a little bit unusual. But yeah, like you said, and like we've talked about even earlier in the show, that you're going to lose guys. It's just go out and grab some good ones as well. Like you can wow. upgrade your roster. I think right now they're at a net negative, um, but there's still a lot of scholarships open and a lot of kids still in the portal. So they'll probably end at a net negative. And I think you look at the Mountain West in general, and it probably hasn't been a great offseason because of losing two play, uh, coaches to the Power 5 level, and now you're having rebuilds at Utah State and UNLV. You have San Diego State's going to take a little step back. Boise State's going to take a little step back. So I think that benefits Nevada in terms of winning the Mountain West title. Um, but there are some concerns about whether this league can get back to that point where they're sending three, four, five teams to the tournament. It's been a long time since they've been able to do that. All right, as we wrap things up here on NSN Daily after the break, the Raiders make an announcement that they are going and planning to have fans in Allegiant Stadium. How realistic is that? We'll bat that around as we wrap things up next. I want to thank Ricardo Stewart and Sadari McAllister for coming on the show. Uh, Chris, about a minute left in the show. Um, Las Vegas Review Journal reported uh, over the weekend that the Raiders are hopeful that they will have full capacity at Allegiant Stadium for games this season. I would love to see that happen. In your mind, someone who is uh, Close to the close to the medical business. I'm giving you now 30 seconds. How realistic is that? I think it's going to happen. I mean, the NFL announced a couple of weeks ago they expect to be full capacity this fall. There's a lot of money at stake, so I think they'll move forward with that. Uh, you look at the state of Nevada as of yesterday. We're at 22 percent of our population fully vaccinated. We've got several months before we get to the start of the season. So, uh, you know, I think we're on track if we continue to get people vaccinated to do it as safely as possible. But definitely, I think you're going to see full capacity at every NFL uh, stadium this season. Chris said it, that means it's law. So uh, I, I really hope that uh, hope that that's what's going to happen because I think a lot of people need to get back to that type of reality. For Chris Murray and Anthony Resnick, I'm Brian Samudia. We'll see you next time.